What's going on, guys? It's Yahavi David Sinclair Speaks, and you are now tuned in to the Sinclair Speaks show. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast on platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything that you need in a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app and start your journey today. It's that time. What's going on, guys? It's your hobby, David. St. Clair Speaks. You are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speaks Show. You are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speaks Show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the St. Clair Speaks Show podcast. I'm your host, Yahavi St. Clair. Now, guys, we are sitting here with not only just an incredible guest, but a guest that I had an experience to work with one-on-one as a personal trainer. I have the honor to introduce now my credit coach and dear friend, Whitney J. Wilshire, credit coach, finance coach. We're going to dive into budgeting. I'm sorry, guys. We're going to dive into budgeting, personal finance, personal credit, business credit, and why this episode of the St. Clair Speaks Show podcast is the most important. Now, without further ado, uh, Whitney, please, the floor is yours. If you can, please give the audience uh, maybe a three to five minute introduction on, you know, your brand, your business, and of course, what brings you on to the St. Clair Speaks Show podcast. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Javi. This has been, this is such a pleasure to be here. Um, Wow, three to five minutes talking about me? <laughs> okay, so I'm Whitney J. Wilcher, you guys. I am a CFBI, I'm a certified uh, finance coach, and I help people make sense of their money. Um, as someone who's been very private with, 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 with my finances, I know firsthand how embarrassing or how shameful or how just overall overwhelming it can feel when you're trying to clean up your finances, right? So. The debt-free tribe, <laughs> I had no intention of actually putting myself in this predicament because at one point, imposter syndrome was very clear. It's like, who am I to give financial advice? But why not me? I actually was able to clear over $50,000 in consumer credit card debt in 10 months alongside my husband. And I did it by following very simple, easy steps and it worked. So here we are, the debt-free tribe was born. I've over, oh my gosh. It's two dozen clients or so right now, and it's just really cool helping people make sense of their money and do it without like going crazy. <laughs> so that's like the whole gist. That's the whole premise of Every Tribe. We're all about budgeting first, credit wellness, and just having a strategy and a game plan to get to where you want to be in terms of your finances. So that's that in a nutshell. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's definitely- no, no, I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm over here cheesing because it's like, I have to, and this is one of the things as a podcast host, I need to actually do this and take accountability. I need to catch my audience up to my relationship with you because it is one thing to talk about credit, but there's another thing to ask for help, right? And to be vulnerable. Right. And I think this is something that we talked about in our private one-on-one sessions, you know, working with you, you know, Whitney has really kind of like, shed that light on, on, on credit and had that, uh, some would say that uncomfortable conversation. A lot of people don't want to talk about their credit score. A lot of people don't want to talk about budgeting. They don't want to talk about, uh, you know, these things. And one of the things that we did was we had that conversation, but at the same time, it kind of went back 
it hit me full circle. As her former personal trainer, we had that same conversation when it came to her fitness goals, right? So we had to get uncomfortable to have those conversations. Okay, what does, you know, your weekly preparation with eating looks like? You know, training, same thing. So when we talk about budgeting, um, I, I didn't, my budgeting was non-existent. I had no type of uh, uh, behavior with my budgeting until Whitney kind of brought that attention. So Whitney, I want to dive into this. So catch us up with what triggered this for you, because, you know, you know, we could go to your website and read a little brief from your story on what kind of made that ripple effect. But can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, all right, let's just be honest here. Let's have a moment of transparency. Um, from the outside looking in, you would never know I had a money problem. Let's just start there. And that's why, you know, the Debt Free Trap is so special to me because prior to launching this company, I used to be in corporate America and I actually worked for MTV News and ABC News as producer. So on the surface, it's like, oh, she's got it going on. She's got a good job, a cool job. Um, and so I was able to kind of hide behind my profession where it's like my overall, um, my overall safety was in that, just knowing that as long as I looked the part, as long, as long as I wasn't looking crazy, nobody would know that I was always hovering just above 600 in terms of my credit score. Nobody would know that I'm on the phone every other week with, with uh, this bank and that bank trying to get my uh, overdraft fees returned. Like, you have no idea how um, well I hit it. And I think we all do it, especially with social media, where you can, like, front and you can, like, pretend. And so for me, the bread and butter of your personal finances is budgeting, thousand percent. Um, but prior to me actually living and dying by my, by my budget, I used to be the person that would keep a mental budget and just like, you know, well, I think I'm doing okay here. I'm, I'm doing okay there. And it was kind of like this in-between game of <laughs> what's going on? Where's my money happening? And, and where's it going? Um, and I just had a moment with my husband who also came to the relationship with his own personal issues with money. So you had two people who barely talked about money trying to navigate as a married couple. And it's like, it's never going to work. So you absolutely have to approach your personal finances with a level of honesty, a level of vulnerability and a resoluteness to fix it because it's not going to fix itself. Right. And so budgeting is definitely the most important ingredient to this whole puzzle where, all right, if I make this much, I need to keep my expenses to match it. And so I always start with my clients with um, a zero based budgeting system, which is when you take your income and your expenses. And the whole point is to get it down to zero. So there is nothing left to, oh, I'm going to go to Chipotle tonight or I'm gonna go to the movies. This, no, if that's not in the budget, it's not happening. So a zero-based budgeting is your best friend in terms of getting everything in order because it makes life a lot easier. So that definitely comes down to like, uh, yeah, the need and want, right? What are your needs and wants, and why yes. is this important to you to spend this money? You know, not to give too much from you know our private coaching sessions. You know, you even told me, you know, Javi, if you're going to be investing right? You still have to tackle debt, right? So you can't, you can't try to push that snowball up the hill. And, and, and I'm trying to use the analogy, it's kind of going another way, but you kind of, you guys know exactly what I mean. Right. But 
yeah, when I started, when I looked at it from that standpoint, I'm like, yo, you're totally right. What the hell yeah. am I doing? What the yeah. hell am I doing? And yeah. it's kind of just tackling it, but there is also, and I want you to kind of touch on this as well. There's also, um, you know, when you're, when your debt hits collections and Ooh. them selling that off as well. And, you yeah. know, you have these debt collectors calling you, you don't want to admit to that debt. So there is also because of, you know, the information and resources that I got because of you and we connected, um, I started looking at it like, oh, okay, wait a minute. I could actually challenge this instead of pay this off. So can you touch on that? Absolutely. So when you're, so it's, it's two parts. You start with your budget first and your budget will take you there, but the other part of it is your credit for sure. And so you definitely want to start with the very first step, which is getting your, your your credit report in your hand, whether you're downloading it or you're printing it out, because you need to know what's going on. I have so many clients, it's, it's amazing, where they've gone years without knowing their, their, their credit score, let alone seeing their credit report. So you definitely want to access your credit score. Um, I recommend uh, annualcreditreport.com. You get a free copy once a year. And from there, print it out, download it, see what's on there, okay? Once you have that information, you definitely want to go through it. Start with the easiest stuff first. So I always like to implement the wins. Let, let's do some quick, some quick wins, right? So with that, you want to start with your personal information first, because obviously that's the easiest thing that you can do, because you'll know if your name is misspelled. Even if your name is misspelled to one letter off, I, I, I remember you telling me you had an issue like that as well. It's amazing how they can like <laughs> have so many different variants. So many different variations to your name and it's like of course let's let's make sure everything is lining up we want to make sure that our social security number is right our birthday is right we want to make sure our address make sure you at least have a recent um whoever you whoever you recently worked for you want to make sure that's on there and yeah start there and then you get into the heavier stuff which is attacking all of your derogatory remarks so that can be a little interesting because it definitely requires some finessing. But it's crazy not to cut of, you off. Not to cut you off, but you're like yeah. you're touching on you're touching on so much different, so many different, so many different topics that could go on for our different conversations, right? For the name variations, yeah. right? I had so many different ones, but that affected your score so much, right? So the, these yeah. are like the those little things. It's so funny, but those little things does have a large, you know, ripple effect, as you said. But um, it's also not only doing it one time, but also maintaining it and sustaining it. And how much are you monitoring your, you know, your credit score, working on that, um, you know, looking at that report, pulling it and adding, you know, these personal trade lines or business trade lines. Can you touch on that as well? For your business credit? Either or, just either or, um, or maybe just more so just personal. Uh, of course, you know, I want to dive more so into the business credit aspect of it as well. So in terms of your personal, um, well, goodness, <laughs> there's so many cool things that you can do. Um, but first, I always tell people, for starters, I don't believe in credit repair companies. I think that it's, it's, it's a total ripoff. Um, a lot of the stuff that you can do yourself, or you can find people like myself who can give you an overview on how to fix it. And it, it, it just requires a little bit of time and effort, but honestly, for the average person, you could totally fix this by yourself. I just want to start there um, because it, it's totally fixable. So in terms of 
let's talk about some easy ways to increase your credit and then also how we can fix it as well. So easy ones to fix to, to increase it. I like to uh, definitely take advantage of the authorized user hack. Are you familiar with this, Avi? Okay, so I had no clue what, a, what an authorized user was. I didn't know anything about it. And that was one of the tricks that I personally used to go from way, way low sixes to, I currently have an 820 FICO score. So I've used this, <laughs> I mean, I've used it majorly. I, I, I am surprised by the amount of people who weren't familiar, but basically your authorized user, it's a great way to build the, the trade lines that you were talking about. Um, so for instance, let's just say my husband has a credit card and it has nothing on it. His limit is $3,000. And let's just say my current score is, I don't know, 600. Um, by him adding me as authorized user, I automatically inherit all of his good spending habits, excuse me, his spending history, and I don't inherit any of his missed payments. So it's a win-win. And then on top of that, I also get $3,000 extra that appears on my credit report to kind of fluctuate it. So it's like a, a seesaw. <laughs> it's like the... It, such a brilliant thing. Let me ask you that. Is that, you have to be married for that? Like, no, no. I actually have my sister as authorized user. I have my brother, my sister-in-law. Um, it, it's such a great way. And also, you know, you have a child. A lot of people, um, a lot of people will add their kids because think about it. You could set your daughter up to have a situation where she has awesome credit by the time she's 18 because she's been an authorized user since she was seven on your account. You know what I mean? Like, it's amazing what you can do to really build this thing up. And she'll never have to worry about that whole, now she's 18, she has no credit. No, you've helped her out in that way. So definitely take advantage of that because the authorized user, it's like the biggest hack. Um, and you can do it over and over and over. Now I will say um, with that, you want to be strategic. You don't necessarily want to take someone's authorized user for a brand new account. It's way, way better to do an authorized user swap, essentially, or have someone add you as authorized user to their oldest credit card, because then you inherit credit age as well as the credit increase. Does that make sense? So that's really cool. And like, say he had, so for that same example, let's say that card not only gave me a $3,000 increase in terms of my availability, which will fool my DTI, which is your debt to income ratio, but also, let's say that card is 10 years old, so now that's added to the formulation of my overall credit history and credit age. And that's a big component in, in your overall credit score. Um, so I always say start there, because that's a great way. Um, but let's say you don't have anybody that can add you as an authorized user. I always tell people, get real comfortable with calling your creditor, especially now. I mean, first and foremost, this is the best time to handle this situation, because think about it, we're in the pandemic, everybody's home, you know, you have a lot of time in your hands. So I actually would call up these creditors and I had no problem doing it. You can request your APR to be decreased. You can request your credit limit to be increased. And um, <laughs> I always like to threaten, <laughs> like, well, if you're not going to do this, I'm going to close the account. Don't close the account, but you can like play hardball if need be. Um, that's a great way because again, let's just say I called up and I had a card that had a thousand dollar limit on it. Let's say, but um, it was a thousand dollar limit, but I had seven fifty being used, right? So then I call up and say, "Hey, you know, I need ac access to extra funds. Can you give me a credit line increase?" 
let's say they bump me up to 2,500, I automatically fooled the formula because now it looks like, oh, she's paid down some, but I, I didn't pay anything down. I just got more access to credit. And so that formula, that, that, that DTI is so important because essentially you can do that anywhere between six months, every six months you, you can request it, but you can keep increasing and keep increasing. And the higher that difference is, the higher your score goes up. So for me personally, all right, $50,000 in credit card debt, just check it out. I had a Macy's card that had a limit of $2,000. My balance was at $1,950, okay? My city card, same deal. Um, Victoria's Secret, same deal. Like every card I had was damn near maxed out for no reason because I was just so lazy. But to my credit, I thought I was doing this right and that I would make these big bulk payments. You know, I paid 500 to my Macy's. I paid 750 to my Macy's. But then within a month, I then reapply that same amount on. Like I, I would keep spending and spending and spending. I would never, you know, cut up the card or freeze the card. I just kept using it. So I was just hustling backwards. So for me, I got really comfortable with, with accessing more credit because I was never delinquent with my, with my payments. Well, depending on, I would say within, the, I had three years of on-time payments. Previously, it was definitely hit or miss. But for the most part, I established myself as someone who is responsible. And so I was able to get those high increases that really helps me jump my score from the sixes to the eights, in addition to paying everything off. So that cover it. <laughs> I feel like no, I that definitely, no, no, you're good. It's, there's so much to talk about with credit. And for me, I'm, I'm thinking, I don't understand what I'm thinking, but credit and real estate, it, it's turning into that same kind of conversation with me because I'm like, I'm really in, in so deep into this because there's so much to talk about. I want to talk about homes, um, you know, first time buyers, you know, credit, uh, what they're looking for now in that aspect. I kind of want to talk about that too. But um, before we dive into that, I kind of want to just take it back a little bit. Let's talk about um, building business credit and what that looks like for a beginner, someone who doesn't have uh, the knowledge of uh, building business credit, um, looking for business funding, establishing that so you could use that business funding and determine a higher budget so you could have a team come on board, take that workload off of you and actually run a successful business. But of course, we need to establish, you know, these trade lines, these things in this nature. Um, wait, like you schooled me on a lot of stuff. So I want to kind of give my audience a lot of goodies. And I know you're one of the goats with this. So if you please dive into um, uh, the what does that look like in the beginning? Because I know it's not all beautiful, right? There's some ugly side yeah. of, you know, building uh, business credit. Can you dive into that as well? Refer, give me a referral and I will sponsor your business in an ad segment just like this. Visit stclairspeaks.com and learn more about the St. Clair Speaks Show podcast proposal. It's that time with my gift for gabability. So opportunities come to those who hustle. So if you're not hustling, you're not creating the opportunities for yourself, you're never going to be successful. You got to do the groundwork and the groundwork starts with you. Absolutely. Um, so first and foremost, like I, I keep saying first and foremost, I don't know why I'm doing that. But anyways, when I speak to clients, I get really excited, especially if they have plans to become an entrepreneur or they already have a business or they're just in the, the beginning stages of said business. 
because I'm like, yes. So especially if they have a poor personal credit situation, you can build in, you can build your business credit a lot faster than you can repair your personal credit. So I always say that first and foremost, it's amazing. Um, but a lot of people don't even realize that how business credit is formulated is totally different than FICO. And FICO, you know, it has over 65 different versions. It's a really, um, it's a very interesting <laughs> formula with, with FICO. Um, but unlike FICO, which is your personal credit score, your business credit score is reported to three separate bureaus altogether. Um, so you have Experian Business, Equifax Business, and then Dun & Bradstreet, um, with Dun & Bradstreet being like the biggest, like the, like the biggest player of them all, right? Um, so before you can even get your Dun's number and, and get a part of that system, you need to first formulate your business. There's so many businesses out here that are not officially registered, officially formulated, and I get it. You know, you want to kind of cash flow your business to kind of pay for those expenses, but you are essentially um, limiting the access of funds by doing it that way because you're not officially set up and ready to go. So once you officially register your business, you know, you create an LLC, um, S Corp, DBA, however, I'm not a, an attorney, so don't ask me for which one, but just, you know, give your CPA and figure out what, what, what makes the most sense for you. After that, you want to register with the state um, so that you are officially legal and in, in operations. Um, then you want to get your EIN number. You go to IRS.gov. You, you can request one. Um, and then I always recommend people take one extra step. You can request um, to set up a virtual address, which will help your business kind of like shield you a bit. Um, and also for your DUNS number, you cannot use a PO box to set it up. And it's not recommended to use your home address either. You can, if that's the only recourse you can, you have at the moment, but the idea here is set up a virtual address so you can feel a little bit more protected that way. Um, and then once you've got all of that situated, you can then set up your DUNS number, which you would go to dnb.com um, and it's gonna walk you through some things. I know, when, when, we, when we sat down together, it's a little annoying because how it works is they require you to request a verification, which gets physically mailed out to you. You have to wait for them to get it <laughs> and then they send it back and then it's like a whole thing. It's, it's, it's quite annoying, but once you're verified, you got your done number, you're good to go. Then you wanna address building your trade lines, which Javi, you know, that's the beautiful thing about building business credit. It's all about trade lines. So you can use Quill, you can use Granger. Um, what's the other one? Uh, Uline. Um, then, then there's also ones you can go to Home Depot, Staples. There's, there's so many businesses that offer so trade lines for brand businesses. It's crazy. And you can get so much access um, to funds. And on top of that, you can take advantage of the net 30s, the net 60s, and the, and the net 90s, which gives you 30, 60, or 90 days to pay off whatever you bought for your business. So let's say you need business supplies, you know, printers, you know, depending on whatever your business is, you can access all of that through these websites. They'll send it to you. Then you have 30, 60, or 90 days to pay them off. And while you're paying them off, they're saying, they're sending um, invoices out. And then Dunn's is, Dunn's and Brad, Dunn and Bradshaw is, is getting notified saying, hey, how have you paid off this account? Hey, he paid it on time. So now you've established, you've established those straight lines that help you build your business credit. And the name of the game here is all about your Paydex score. Your FICO is all about your personal um, credit. 
Paydex is all about your business credit. You want a Paydex number of anything of 80 and better. It, it ranges from 10 to 100. Um, your FICO starts from 300 to 850. So that's that in a nutshell. Um, but it's a lot easier to get to an 80 or, 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 or higher with your business credit than it is to get to an 850 with your FICO. Does that make sense? No, it makes it makes it makes so much sense. But um, I, I I'm excited because you made the process for me uh, low key. Like I feel like I I I, I strongly believe you got to be in the right place at the right time, right? The information and the resources that I got from you and how you formatted it, and I kind of told you this in your group. Um, you guys should definitely check this out. Um, uh, check out uh, Whitney's group on uh, Facebook that the that free tribe. Um, I kind of touched on this a couple of weeks back, but the way you, you set your email out and you send the entire format on like the step-by-steps on, hey, this is how, you know, you structure the business, you apply, you go to DNB, next step is this, so forth and so forth. That for me made it so much easier, right? Because I didn't know what that looked like. But not only that, but you, you kind of broke it down. You made it easy for me, right? Yeah. And yeah. you opened the door because I had no idea on leveraging any of these net 30s or net 60s or net 90s and I, we kind of touched on this a little bit before we started recording but as you know a personal trainer who was independent using these net 30s as, you know for the travel fees or whatever and kind of like going over that with my accountant later on in the year and writing that off but leveraging the lifestyle right mm-hmm. it, 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 it that's the first thing I think about credit it's leveraging the lifestyle same thing with buying a home now looking at real estate I kind of look at it differently because of the conversations that we have about credit and how you could leverage that because credit yeah. is king. Credit yeah. is king. Cash doesn't mean anything. It's funny. Um, <coughs> my mentor, um, I heard him say this in Clubhouse, William Mandro, real estate investor. He mentioned, he's like, look, you, I, I could have all the money in the world. You know, you could, you could take all my cash. You could take my phone. You could take, but give me an 800 credit score and I'll go get mm-hmm. it all back. Right. I'll go get it all back. And he said that it's it's the fact that he's not, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying he's not a, a, credit, a credit guru, but real estate's more so his niche. And that's what he's more so known for. But for him to say that, like, can you tell us why why is credit king, Whitney? And, 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 and why, why is credit so important, personal and business? Why? Man, I mean, well, first of all, it's all by design. They, they don't want us to know this information because they know it's super powerful. Once you get it, it's like you, you got like a cape on. Like you can do anything. You can go anywhere. Nobody can tell you nothing, right? And so credit is so important, especially for business credit. Um, I, I love talking to young entrepreneurs about it because think about it. If you're able to build, build, build up your business credit and you get access to funds for your business, you get access to um, potentially, you know, leasing out a vehicle and, you know, having it as a business vehicle now it's a write-off i mean there's so many there's so many benefits to it it's insane um and i will say it's worth getting good at like with anything nobody just is automatically great with credit let's just let's just call it because first of all we're not taught it depending on your your household you you never discussed it and you know at, at, the, at the dinner table um so yeah i believe that credit is super important because mm, it just makes life a lot easier. Um, let's just talk about how credit, personal credit especially is, is even used. I mean, your, your personal credit score can be the difference of you getting a job promotion at, cer- at certain companies. Uh, you know, um, not only 
Is your personal credit considered when you're getting a cell phone? It's also used for some of the utilities. It's used for so many different things. And it's like, at every point, if you have bad credit, it feels like you're getting hit and hit and hit because you're not um, getting access to the benefits of it. It's like the world is blackballing you pretty much. Right, right. And then right. when you're trying to fix it and you're trying to get a job, because they even look at that when you try to go get a job, yep. right? Yep. Like, how do you expect people to fix it if you're not going to hire them so they can make money to, to go and tackle that debt? Right. It's definitely all a part of the, the, the larger system of just not having access to information. You know, um, that is the biggest difference of wealth building and just having certain key points, certain gems, like we just discussed, that can be the difference of you struggling to thriving. Um, so for me, in, in, in my, okay, let's just talk about it. My very first credit card experience was awful. I was 19 years old. I was about to leave for college. I go into Victoria's Secret, just gonna get some underwear, you know, from my dorm, whatever. And the lady asked me, hey, do you want to sign up for a credit card? I'm like, okay, cool. I signed up for it. The, the total purchase came to $26, Javi. $26. I go off to school. I completely forget about this card. I never got a statement. I never got anything. Six months later, now I'm in school, right? Never had a credit card before. I start getting collection calls. And I'm like, what's happening, right? First of all, nobody taught me how collection works. So I go into panic mode. I'm thinking I'm going to get arrested. Somebody's me knocking down my door. Like, I'm, I, I just freaked out. I didn't tell my mom, my dad, nothing. I pretended like it didn't exist, right? Fast forward, somehow they got in contact with my mom. She settled that bill, which went from $26 to $197. And I still didn't get the memo. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to keep opening up credit cards. I just didn't compute that this is like a, a process. So essentially, just so you know, I started from that one card and I never stopped. I mean, I had a credit card for Barnes and Nobles. I had a credit card for Target. I had a credit card for Sears. I had a, like the, like the, at my highest, I had 29 credit cards, all of them at the max, all of them totally over leveraged, just a hot mess all in all, right? And so it made me get, get anxiety whenever there was a situation that required my credit to be ran. I'm not sure if you can relate to this, going into the car dealership and you're doing that nervous dance, you're just sitting there like, please let this go through, please let this go through, you know, because it it makes you feel like, oh my gosh, it, it almost like you're like you're naked. Like people can see your shame. They can see your embarrassment, right? So on the flip side of that, just to give you an example, when you mastered credit, now I'm in the 800 club, which is amazing. But what's so interesting is now, whenever my husband and I have to do something that involves running our credit, it's like, apply. Like, there is no anxiety. There is no, oh my God, what if it doesn't go? None of that doesn't exist. So just to your point, it's not just, good, it's not just worth getting good at it because of the benefits. It's also good for your mental health. Like, so you're not constantly in a place of fear or anxiety or embarrassment or shame because those are heavy, heavy feelings. They are debilitating to the point where some people just emotionally check out. You know, a lot of my clients are at that place where they're like, I don't know what to do. I'm about to, I'm about to file for bankruptcy when I don't need to file for bankruptcy. I'm about to do this. And it's like, you have to get to a place of take a deep breath. No matter where you are, whoever's listening, Take a deep breath because I promise you, whatever financial situation you're in right now, first of all, you're not the only one. It's not as bad as it seems. And there's always, always, always a solution that requires the thinking that outthinks you. 
so that whether if you can't afford a financial coach, you need to get on YouTube and find some free resources. You need to get a personal finance book from the library. There are resources available. You just have to get out of that funk of <laughs> feeling like, why is this happening to me? And you have to get into action and get into fixing it. Um, but doing it from a place of, I'm going to, I'm, I'm gonna get, th I'm gonna get through this. You know, give yourself grace, give yourself time. So that's one of the reasons why credit is so important because it just, it's the difference between having an easy life and a hard life. It really is. You ain't never lie. You ain't never lie. Because it, you know, it, it's so, it's so true. And you also said something about it's like having a cape. It is, yep. you know, it, it, yep. that information, the information that you have, it's like having a cape, the resources. I, oh, I'm, I'm chilling. Oh, I'm, 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 I look at everything differently now because of credit, yeah. because yeah. of credit and because of business credit and uh, just the information and resources, it changes the game. This time last year, I had 11 cents to my name. I was fucked up. I had to go back to the streets and hustle and sell comedy yeah. tickets in the heart of Times Square in New York City just to get by. If yeah. I knew what I knew now, mm -hmm. then I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, number one, that would have never happened. But it's just, it's just like, it's just so amazing. It's just so amazing and so surreal how all you need is that little piece of information that's going to do the much for you. And you, you got to look at the little things. I think a lot of people overlook those little things, the little conversations of just, you know, looking at your credit, you know, um, like you said, if you can't afford, you know, coaching, look at the free resources like YouTube. You know, I, if you're not in clubhouse for one, that has been another resourceful app. And I think I was telling you this before you got on it. I'm like, yo, wait, like I'm learning so much. So like, so fast, just on credit in general. But one of the things that I've seen on that app in particular is there are a lot of rooms on credit and a lot of people are talking about credit. And the more I started to see the, the conversations in the community get established, it made me go back to the conversation that we had. And it's amazing. Someone said this, you know, once you see an opportunity, it's like, oh, you start to see opportunities when your eyes start to open up to them. Right. Mm -hmm. So once I looked at the whole, you know, the credit aspect and, you know, um, the, the light that you shed, I'm like, wow, like Whitney was totally right. Like th this is this is a this is life changing information. But and I also told you this, I don't know if I did, but I also kind of just spread that information. You know, I told my family, like, look, you know, get your credit right. You know, I told my little siblings because I got seven siblings. So I'm telling all my siblings, I'm like, look, you seven siblings. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, yo, you gotta get your credit right. Personal, you know, just don't leave it and forget about it. Because I think I told you like, that's, that's what my situation was, you know, when we met initially to catch the audience up. Um, what year was this? I think it was like 2017, 27. I'll say 2017. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. 20, back in 2017, got fired from a fitness corporate job, got hired back. And in the midst of me getting hired back, I actually connected and met Whitney. And through that connection, I believe we was getting ready for a weight loss, um, a 12 week weight loss challenge, uh, I believe so. And as we were pretty much getting ready and prepped down for that, one of the things that I've noticed was we started to like, we started to build, we built a yeah. connection. We sat down and we looked at the plan, right? We started yeah. to spend time and go over the stuff that we didn't want to talk about, but we also took accountability. You also yeah. said, oh, Javi, I wasn't doing this. So I wasn't doing that. Same thing with me, right? It goes back to the credit aspect. Now the roles are reversed. So now I look at it from that aspect. I'm like, okay, I get exactly what Whitney's saying. I understand where Whitney is coming from. You're saying, okay, Javi, 
why are you investing if you're not acknowledging your debt? Right. Yeah. That's like you working out, but you're yeah. not, you're not prepping. Right. Yeah. Yahavi, why are you doing this? So when you said that to me, I believe this was weeks back, it just made me number one, it humbled me. And I'm like, Oh, I sat down. I'm like, yo, this is totally right. And because of that little conversation, I looked at the whole budgeting aspect. I know we touched on this and I want to kind of talk to you on this a little bit, but I looked at budgeting different because of you. So I want to say thank you for that. Give you your flowers real quick, but budgeting, what does budgeting look like for a beginner? How, what are some tips that you could give someone who, who doesn't know how to budget? Um, there are some things that we just weren't taught, right? right. Um, what, what are some things that we could maybe learn on the fly as far as budgeting? Absolutely. Um, it's so funny. So really quickly, I want to piggyback off that conversation we had because when I was doing that weight loss conversation and you helped me lose 35 pounds, which was amazing in like, what was it, four weeks? Something crazy. Um, but you, you, we had a moment, you sat me down and you were like, listen, this is what, this is where you're at. I know you're not happy with this. I'm not happy with this. So how can we move forward and get this right? And I feel like losing weight and cleaning up your finances is the most accurate correlation, the best comparison, because it really is the same journey. I mean, how many times have we been taught, you know, you eat this, do that, and you lose weight. Same thing your finances, spend less, make more, do this. And it's the same kind of formula, but yet we all kind of like, well, how do we do it? What's the secret? What's the secret? So to, to your point about budgeting, budgeting requires, well, the first and foremost is this. Let's read the room, okay? I always tell people, look at your household, whether you're living alone, you have a spouse, you're engaged, you have a bunch of kids, whatever the case may be, read the room, all right? Let's figure out one of three things first. When you create a budget, it helps you identify if you have a spending issue, an income issue, or both, okay? If you never create your budget, you will never know the answer to that question, and then you'll never be able to solve said issue, right? So when you read the room, what I'm saying is you need to sit down with everyone in your household. If you're single, great, because then it's just you. But a lot of times it's not the case. You need to get everybody on board because essentially going back to losing weight, how many times have you tried to diet, but you try to diet, but yet your whole household is still, you're still eating like crap. What's going to happen? You're going to start eating like crap. It just So when you're doing your budget, you have to get everybody rallied around. And nobody wants to hear, oh, well, we're not going to eat out. You don't start there. You say, listen, we're choosing not to eat out this month because we have a larger financial goal, because we're planning for that family trip to Disney, because we're doing this and that, you know, obviously because of COVID, it may be different, but you always tie your reasoning to a, a vision. A lot of times people are budgeting because they feel like that's what they're supposed to do, but it's not anchored or rooted in anything. And therefore it will always fail and it will never work out. So when you do your budget, you sit down with everyone that you love and say, hey, this is what we're doing. And you're gonna call it a season of sacrifice, okay? We are going to sacrifice some things to get closer to what we wanna be and further away from where we're at, right? So after you've done that, now it's time to formulate a budget. If you're doing budgeting up here, no, stop it. <laughs> Please stop. That does not work. It doesn't work. That's like counting calories in your head. It does not work. Stop. So we need to either use a spreadsheet, a budgeting app, an Excel um, sheet, however you want to do it, you know, 
a notebook dedicated just to budgeting, great. Um, and then we're gonna start with all of the important items first and the desires at the bottom. So we're going to cover your living expenses, your rent, your mortgage, your groceries, your transportation costs, your um, utility, all of the stuff that's non-negotiable, your fixed costs, like everything that you have to do, period, right? Then we get into little buckets, right? So you have all of your, your main living expenses, and then we're going to put a bucket for your goals, right? And that can be, let's say you're engaged and you're planning to get married, okay? So we need to allocate certain, certain, a certain amount of money per, per, paycheck, per paycheck to this fund, which we call a thinking fund. And that's basically just different pockets of money that are put into different checking accounts for different reasons. So you can have a sinking fund for your wedding, you can have a sinking, a sinking fund for your vacation, you can have a sinking, a sinking fund for Christmas, so on and so forth. After you have your goals covered, then you're gonna cover your discretionary spending. That's all of like your fun stuff. So date nights, get, grabbing drinks. Again, this is all pre, pre-COVID or post-COVID, whatever, it's different. Um, but it all, all kind of formulates in that way. So any of your fun stuff, like shopping just because, whatever. The problem is a lot of people start with their discretionary spending first, then they get into their living expenses and then they wonder why there's nothing left over. You absolutely go by order of most, most important to least important. So your discretionary, guess what, goes at the bottom because if you can grab that drink this month, cool, but if you can't, oh well, right? You also have um, a category for lifestyle. I like to put personal grooming and lifestyle, your, your upkeep, um, you can put your pets in, in the lifestyle category. And basically that's just all of your stuff that adds value to your life. Say you really enjoy getting manicures, that goes in lifestyle. Let's say you really enjoy, um, you know, investing in your, your wardrobe, that goes into lifestyle. But again, it's further down the list, it's not at the top. And then the last category is going to be your, your, your safety, which is your emergency, your emergency fund. It's also going to contain your debt, extra debt payments, and also any contributions to your retirement. So that's pretty much the buckets that you put all your money in. And again, you go from most important to least important. And then after you've done that, you need to identify how you're going to monitor this. So again, I always re recommend the zero-based budgeting system because if you make $4,000 a month, you need to get your expenses, your total output to 4,000, so it equals zero. So there's nothing left to play with. Every single dollar has an assignment. Every single dollar has a name. So again, so let's, let's say 2,000 of that goes to your living costs. 1,000 goes towards your, um, your goals, your discretionary and your lifestyle. Now you have $1,000 left over. From there, we get, to we get to decide, depending on what strategy you pick, that you're gonna park that $1,000 into extra debt payments or to your savings account or to investments. However, you, wherever you're currently at, that's when you would then decide that. So let's just say you have $20,000 in debt, but yet if you follow the zero-based budgeting system and you're left with $1,000 every month, Theoretically, you could be out of debt in 20 months, right? Because it's $20,000, $1,000 a month. It's that simple. The question is, will you do it? The question is, will you follow it? But there totally is a game plan and it's totally accessible to anyone everywhere. It's funny. I'm not going to even say, like, I'm not going to say nothing, but it's like, 
number one, when you, the, the, the things that you were saying, it's like, it's interesting. You say one thing and it's like, wow, like in my mind, I'm like, wow, like just made me think about something. Um, but it's, it's interesting just to piggyback and go back and talk about budgeting for one. Budgeting for one, you, you said it could show you three different options. You could say, um, you know, maybe it's, you know, your debt to income ratio, right? Maybe, you know, uh, your debt is higher than whatever your income is. Maybe you're not making enough, um, or maybe it's just stagnant, right? Just looking at those little things, again, just to go back, but those little things does make a larger difference, right? Looking at the budgeting um, and making budget cuts. Uh, for one, right, Zoom, right? We're recording uh, this podcast episode using Zoom. Um, even looking at the little things like the paid apps that I use, right? Um, if you're going to use these premium apps, what are you using it for? I have to, I, I like to use this, um, but I also use another software for the podcast. But when, you know, when we met and we connected again and we talk about credit, now I look at this from the business aspect, from the business side. I'm like, okay, great. Zoom and already stream, anything that I want to use for the podcast, that'll be considered in that 30 bracket. So yep. going back to kind of like leveraging the lifestyle, and you also mentioned, um, I, I think it, uh, you mentioned uh, uh, like beauty maintenance for one, right? So if mm -hmm. I want to go get another lineup, that technically mm -hmm. falls in line, right? Because I'm in business mm -hmm. of broadcast media. So <clears throat> as you mentioned, structuring your business the right way and kind of, and, and going back to looking at what you do and leveraging it. If I could give everyone advice, I would give everyone advice to get a whiteboard because mm -hmm. like when you just could scramble things just at random and, and see things. And it's amazing as you were talking and I'm like, damn, like what? I'm like envisioning you writing on a board as you're talking about this and this and this and this because you're hitting it spot on. But when you literally write your life down on paper, it makes so much sense, right? So you got to really kind of just address the issue, whether it's debt, credit, whatever the case may be, and pretty much just go from there. But um, so let, let, like, what does it look like, uh, you know, for the young audience, right? So for the younger generation, when should they start building credit? Uh, I started, my hustle for me started when I was 14, right? I was selling candy, got a box of candy from BJ's for $15, flipped it and got my return on investment for 60. There was 30 <laughs> pieces in there. So each piece for $2, but I knew how to hustle. I learned that at the age of 14. Right. And can, can a kid at the age of 14 right now in this generation build personal credit? So with that, that's when the authorized user thing would come really in hand with their parent or their guardian, or even, you know, an older family member, whatever. Um, you definitely want to lean into getting into, getting, basically what you wanna do is essentially borrow as much of that great payment history, that spending uh, limit and make it yours, essentially. You're just basically trying on different authorized users, if that makes sense. So with that, I would, def I would definitely recommend reaching out to family and also this is what this is what's so funny about this to even be in that space at 14 how can i create credit which is crazy like imagine if at 14 you were in that space like oh my god but the cool thing about it is if you stumble upon if if, if someone in that age category stumbles upon this podcast you then get to start a conversation that may have never existed in your household now, and what's so weird is that your parents probably know about authorized users. They don't understand how to implement it or how to even use it to their advantage to help their kids, including the 14-year-old, right? 
So definitely lean into whoever in your household or in your immediate circle or your you know friend group, whatever. If they are in a, if they are in a position where they already have a grasp in their finances, and you do have to have this conversation, but you definitely want to lean into becoming, you know, having an authorized user type of situation. So until you become of age to open your own credit card, because at 14, you're not of age. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how that would work. But it's amazing um, once you start having the, these dialogues because you just build upon them and build upon them. What is it that the, I mean, look, the, I, it's, it's a real good conversation to have, right? I mean, you know, eventually my daughter's going to be of age, be at 14. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to start building her personal credit, business credit, whatever that looks like, a little earlier before the age of 14, right? So if you structure your business well, whether it's an S Corp or LLC, you kind of like leverage that. So there's, there's, there's a lot of upside, you know, in, in, in cementing that generational wealth and, and generational credit and, and teaching that at a young age, because that's very important. I didn't have anyone teach me this. A lot of, a lot of stuff, you know, comes from experience, you know, through failure. I only got into real estate because last year I was broke as fuck. It's the honest yeah. truth. I had 11 cents to my name until you have 11 cents to your name and you have to go back to the streets in Times Square and hustle your way out of that. Mm-hmm. And you have to like go back and re and like go back to like square one where people mm-hmm. in the street are happy to see that you're back in the street. Like yeah. that shit, like, like it, it's pretty interesting because the reason why I bring this up is in the beginning of this pandemic, when COVID came, you know where I, Yahavi was? In the streets, hustling and grinding. And then I seen, it's amazing because I literally seen it firsthand, like all the buildings in Manhattan, all these things closing down and closing down. Right now we're going towards the upside. Things are opening up, businesses are opening up. Um, you know, if you if you're not making enough income, you have to find ways to make income, right? So, whether it, it, it's freelancing, um, but what does that look like, right? It, you know, if you want to apply for, you know, uh, you know, business funding, people want to see the proof, mm-hmm. right? People want to see the proof. People want to know what have you done for the last seven months? What have you done for the last eight months? Why should we give you this loan, right? Yeah. So, what does that look like? I kind of want to touch on that too. Like if someone is going towards, you know, like, all right, I'm getting this together. Um, I, I always like to throw me in there, give a more of a scenario feel to it. But what does it look like for someone that's kind of repairing, starting over? Um, they have their their credit. It's pretty much just like blown out the water, right? Yeah. But, you know, they, they want to start. They want to start a business or get like a hard money loan or something like that. What do you think is achievable for someone in a scenario like that? especially in the midst of a pandemic? Yes, um, that's a great question. What's interesting about that is um, you have a couple of different options, which is amazing. Um, obviously you can go through FBA you know, and secure small business loan, which is amazing, but there's also a lot of grants. I feel like grants are like your go-to, especially when you're still in that, that formulation stage of, you know, maybe the concept isn't quite proven yet. For some reason, grants kind of get looked over because I guess people don't want people don't want to do the extra legwork that it requires. Um, but grants are an amazing option for sure. Um, but then also, don't don't discount also getting um, an investment if you have this kind of circle around you 
uh, a family and friends and fun, uh, you know, like to, to reach out in your circle. So it's not just always, okay, I'm starting a business. Let me go to the bank and get as much money as possible. Now, to be clear, there's nothing wrong with that, especially if, 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 you, if you're building your business credit. There's so many business credit hacks, especially with Navy Federal, if you apply between the hours of 12 a.m. and 5 a.m., for some reason, they're granting these ridiculous credit lines. I'm talking like 20,000, 15,000. We're going to jump back to Navy Federal. Keep going, because I want to ask you about them, too. Go ahead. Yeah, but it, it, it's just one of those things. It's like you have to, again, read the room. Like it's not always just one way to get to where you need to be. Some businesses are actually better off not taking on that 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 debt load. Some some businesses are better off just cash flowing and building and being debt positive and not having any debt in their company whatsoever. You know, so it depends on what you're doing. So it's hard to like pinpoint this. Um but again, it, you have a lot of resources. And also, it's definitely a good idea, especially in the beginning phases, always look to whoever has what you are trying to build to and follow their footsteps. So many people love talking about themselves. It's amazing what you can find online in terms of, okay, how did this person secure this grant? How did this person secure this loan? How did they get this funding? Read their bio. It's usually in there. Like, it's, it's kind of crazy. Like, when you when you look for something, and this is what's so cool, whatever you focus on expands. So if you're starting a business and you're saying, oh, I'm never going to get any money, guess what? You're telling the universe you don't want any money. And you, if you say, yo, I'm going to get this money, I'm going to make it happen, doors start popping open. And then you have resources like Clubhouse where people are getting live funding in these rooms. It's, it's phenomenal. These, these, these venture capitalists are just dishing out money on Clubhouse. There's so Super many resources. Easy. It's not just always, oh, let's get a loan. Let's let's all right because yeah, Clubhouse is Clubhouse is for one of the reasons why I feel like personally I feel like I've been more in the loop and educated. But I want to know. Um, let let's go into Navy Federal because I had someone ask me about this like a month ago, and I'm like, bro, I've never been in the Navy. I can't get Navy Federal. He's like, yeah, yeah that's not true. I'm like, I, I hear a lot about Navy Federal. A lot of good from Navy yeah. Federal, by the way. So can you touch on Navy Federal? Uh, Navy Federal is a great way to build your business credit. Um, they usually give, you know, but I will say this, first and foremost, if you have a, a Navy Federal account just for like your personal, you know, credit, and you've been delinquent with that account with them, it's going to be a little bit more, not a little bit, a lot very challenging to get business credit through Navy Federal if you've already proven through your personal credit that you are not like responsible in that way. Well, let's just say that's not your that's not your story. Navy Federal is a great option. Um, there's a bunch of different loans. I'm sorry. There's a, there's a bunch of different banks that I recommend for people. You don't always have to go through Chase. You don't always have to go through Bank of America for your business checking account, your business credit needs. Um, but Navy Federal is an awesome option. And like I was saying before. I don't know what's going on with their system, but again, if you apply for your business funding during certain hours, you know, 1 a.m. to 5 a.m., these limits that they're giving people, like it's crazy. I'm talking 15,000, 11,000, 12,000 for no reason. <laughs> it's like, how is this going on? Like, what is happening? It's definitely a glitch, but um, it definitely works. And uh, yeah, but Navy Federal is, a, is, is an awesome option if you are in need of funding for sure. Yeah, I'm like, it's funny as you say that. I'm like, all right, let me write that down. Mm -hmm. um, 
Because I'm hearing now, I've hear I've heard a lot of success stories, especially from Clubhouse in particular, about Navy Federal people mm -hmm. getting money ridiculously from uh, Federal, even from um, the, the SBA as well. They're pretty much giving out money, right? Uh, grants too. I found myself doing this um, when I was on Clubhouse pretty early, about two months ago, early in the app. All these direct links that I had to grants, and I'm sending this to people too. So yeah. it's like. As, as I'm receiving it, I'm doing it the same thing. So it just kept on going and going and going and going. So mm -hmm. I just got educated and someone sent me um, like dispute letters and sending letters out to the boroughs. So let, let's kind of dive into this, but you know, I'm, for those that don't know, can you tell us a little bit more about those three boroughs as far as just the credit boroughs with? So last part again, I'm here. Can you tell us a little bit more about the three credit boroughs like, you know, Experian, Equifax, on TransUnion, yes. So yeah, they basically compile your FICO score. Um, a lot of people get, get confused with the FICO and the Vantage score. So like when you go on Credit Karma, that's your Vantage score. That's not your FICO score. Your FICO is a formulation from the three credit bureaus. It's an average amongst the three. Um, and so it's so important, again, again to utilize annualcreditreport.com, get your report pulled down, and then start going through and highlighting. And you mentioned, you know, the process of getting things removed. That's where I jump back to, you know, credit repairs are not necessary, but I get the draw because most people are lazy. Most people don't want to go through it. So they want to hire somebody to do it. But there's not always a guarantee that that company that you paid a thousand dollars to to fix your credit, it's it really going to deliver. A lot of them are scammers. I'm just going to call spade a spade. Um, and so you definitely can get caught in that situation of paying for a service and you, you, you are not guaranteed a certain outcome. Um, and so one of the things I'll, I'll tell whoever's listening, again, I'm not a credit repair specialist, but I do recommend getting the dispute letter templates and you can send out things um, just by yourself. First and foremost, let's just say you have a collection. Um, most people think if they've gotten, I don't know, a credit card and $2,000 in collection, that because it's in collections, they have to pay $2,000 back. No, <laughs> absolutely not. First of all, that collection agency paid pennies on the dollar to get that debt from the bank. And they're expecting you to be silly enough to pay the full amount. You can, you can settle um, a collection claim for anywhere between 40 to 60% of the value of that $2,000. You do not have to pay the full amount. Don't pay the full amount. And so before you even get to that, you definitely want to request um, a debt verification letter to, uh, to, to, ver to verify first and foremost, that this is your debt, even if you know it is, have them do the legwork, have them prove to you that it is yours. Because sometimes they can mess up some things and you make it lucky, right? So start there first and foremost. Um, and then depending on what they say back to you, that's when you then get some more complicated stuff, which is sending out the, well, you can send out the debt validation letters and the debt verification letters. The debt validation letters goes to the credit bureau. The debt verification letters goes to the, to your to your creditor, right? And so, once you've gotten the answer back from them, <laughs> and they have a certain time window to get back to you, which is amazing because, especially with COVID, they're getting an influx of letters sent to them. So again, if, if they don't get back to you in a certain window, they have between depending on which one you're sending out, they have between thirty to forty five days to respond, and if they don't. By law, they have to delete whatever you're, you're, you're disputing. So that's so important to do this. Um, and again, that's why people are drawn to, you know, using these uh, debt credit repair specialists because nobody wants to do all that work, but it's worth it to do it yourself 
One, you're teaching yourself how to do it. Two, you can teach your kids how to do it. Three, you can help your family members how to do it. It's just better for you to learn it so that you can teach it. That makes sense? So I always go there makes, first. Makes, no, no, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so to dive into Navy uh, Federal, right? Um, yeah, kind of just touching this a little bit, but um, even like how, how does someone qualify? Do you need to be uh, tied to someone like a family member or a friend or something like that? Absolutely. Um, I'm so glad we, we circled back to this because it's not a program where it's like just anyone can gain access to it. You definitely have to have a tie to someone who's served in the Navy, you know, has, has a link to the Navy in some capacity. Um, but it, and it's kind of like with um, the VA loans, you know, it's, it's an awesome, you know, full 100% financing for when you're buying a house, but you have to be a veteran to get access to that funding, right? Um, or, you know, in, in that capacity. So with the Navy Federal, again, it, it's a really, really cool option if you have access to it in that way. But, um, and if not, there's so many other banks that you can go to. So yeah, just wanted to make sure we covered that because it's, it's such a really, really great tool. No, the, you know, it's, a, it's so much to learn. Um, because of Clubhouse, I've been in rooms where I've co-moderated with a lot of, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to call, I'm not going to say credit experts, but a lot of people in the industry, in the credit industry. And there was a lot of stuff that I definitely didn't know, but I'm just, I'm sitting there, I'm absorbing this information and it's like, okay, like, wow, this is a lot of information. There's a lot to learn. There's so much, to, there's a lot to learn about a lot, right? Getting a 15 year mortgage versus a 30 year mortgage and why the 30 yeah. year would make a lot more sense, right? So there's yeah. so much, there's so much that, you know, I didn't know, which was great because uh, one of the best feelings for me is, you know, you can know a lot and still know nothing, mm-hmm. but like the conversations about credit yeah these are generational conversations that you could have for you just pass this on um you know all the things that you know about business credit and you like you, you could teach a family member that um from the personal credit aspect but it, it, it kind of just goes hand in hand and leveraging that um so yeah there's there, there's so many different realms to kind of dive into but i kind of want to go back into um Let's kind of dive into real estate because you know. Oh, thank gosh! Yes. No, real estate's no, because real estate is really fun right now. Yes. Um, Real estate, real estate being fun because you could do so much different things in real estate with with personal credit, with business credit, which that is established as well. Um, You know, I've had people say, "Hey, why don't you go get an FHA, put three to five percent down? You could Airbnb out the other side." And pretty much just move on from that point. So tell us a little bit more on how we could leverage uh, credit with real estate and how, uh, whether it's residential or commercial. Perfect. So full disclosure, I am not a homeowner. However, this year I will be because I am actually actively um, going through the NACA program. Have you heard of NACA? It's so funny. I literally just heard of it too, because my mentor oh, touched on that, but I'm with you on the homeowner this year because I'm on... I'm with you on that. Listen, listen. Okay, so going back to what I was saying earlier, you know, I have an 820 uh, FICO score. Um, I have a nine month of emergency savings. I have other investments. All these are great things, right? So I'm definitely in a position to buy a house with my husband, for sure. Um, Just based on where we're at, you know, our income, all that's great. 
we found out about, so we were going through FHA, which you were saying you could put down 3.5%. And even some programs will do a conventional loan of, of, of as little as 3%, which is crazy because most people think conventional loans, you have to have uh, 10 to 20% to, to, to put down for the house. And then if you're doing an investment property, it has to be 25% down for that investment property. FHA, you could do an owner-occupied loan where you can go in and um, live on one side of the multifamily structure, or you could do a FHA single family house, which is great. And either scenario, you're looking at 3.5% down. They just changed the FICO. They just changed the FICO. At one point, pre-COVID, it was 580 to get an FHA. They did bump it. I think it to be at 620. I have to double check, but I believe it's 620 to get an FHA loan now because of COVID. Um, but yeah, and, and depending on when you live, there's certain limits that you can have access to. So I think in Connecticut, um, a single family house, you can go up to 331, 331,000. If you're doing a, a duplex, you can go up to 631. Oh, I'm trying to remember all the numbers, but say you're doing a fourplex, it goes up to one point. Mm, 1.1, 1.1. I gotta look it up right now, but basically there's different tiers for FHA that you can move up. If multifamily is for you, I definitely recommend it. That's the route I'm going in right now. And so by June, I should be closing the house and everything's great. But yes, FHA is a great option, um, especially if you're, if you're trying to build cash flow, be a landlord and, you know, or do the Airbnb route, which I'm hearing you get crazy returns doing the Airbnb route. No. I'm definitely going to consider that down the road, but for now, we're just going to go through the traditional, you know, long-term tenant model. Um, but let's just say you don't have any of that. Let's say you have no down payment, you have terrible credit, you have a job and everything and everything's good. NACA is going to be your best friend. So NACA is a nonprofit organization. Um, they've been around for a number of years and they're backed by Bank of America and Citibank. They got a, a $15 billion transfusion of cash into the program. And so basically what they do is they target low to moderate income households. And how it works is you basically have to go through 10 steps. <laughs> right when I tell people that, they check out. They're like, nope, I don't want to do it. But yes, there's a 10-step process to NACA. And essentially the first step is you sign up to do their four-hour video presentation. It's totally virtual. You don't have to say a word. You just sit through it. You're one and done. Um, the second step is you then sign up to meet with your counselor. Again, it's a nonprofit organization. They are limited, limited staffing. So that's like one of the main issues with NACA that people don't like in that there's a lot of turnover with the counselors and you, you're not always seen as fast as you want to be seen. So let's say you sign up for NACA today for their, for their presentation you probably won't be able to do the presentation until mid-March, April. That's just how it is. And then once you do your presentation, you probably won't meet your counselor until May, June. So there is a bit of a lag time, but hear me out, it's worth it. After you've gotten that information in terms of meeting with your, with your counselor, you then get assigned, um, you then get assigned to a mortgage counselor who will tell you how much you qualify for. Let me back it up. NACA doesn't check your credit. NACA has no down payment requirement. NACA has no PMI, which is your property mortgage insurance that you would have on an FHA loan that stays for the life of the loan. So NACA does not do that, which is crazy. I mean, your PMI for an, uh, for an FHA house could be 
$200 a month, $300, depending on if you get a, a single family or a triplex, it varies. NAC is not going to charge you with that. Um, they also charge you for the title inspection, something like that. But then um, the, the other draw, Javi, hear me, you get to buy down your interest rate. So there's people in the NACA program, like right now, because of COVID, the interest rates are so low. I think we're right around 2.9 right now, the national average. NACA starting out is 2.3%. So you're winning just off the bat, right? But you can buy down your interest rate as little as, you can buy it down to zero point, no, 0.25% if you wanted to. What that looks like, let's say me and you bought what a house says $300,000, right? You went through NACA, I went FHA. I put down 3.5%. Um, so let's just say I, whatever that comes out to, let's say I come to the table closing and my, um, my down payment comes about 20,000, right? I'm out 20,000. My mortgage payment, let's say it's 2,500, right? You go through NACA. You don't have a credit check. You don't have a down payment requirement. You also have no PMI. Remember, I have PMI. So that 2,500, theoretically, my mortgage should be, um, let's say, 2,200. But let's say my PMI is an extra 300. That's how I'm getting 25, right? So right off the bat, you're not getting hit with PMI, right? And also, your, your interest rate right off the bat is at 2.3. Let's say through my FHA, I'm at 3%. So right off the bat, our, interest, our mortgages are totally different. You get to buy down your interest rate. Every point is 1% of the value of the house. So again, the house is $300,000. 1% of that is 3,000, right? Every 0.25%, so every quarter of a point is $3,000. Let's just say you come to the table with $12,000, right? You've now bought down your 2.3, down to 1.3 with that $12,000. It's the same money I dished out for down payment, but yours went to something that's gonna, you're gonna spend way less over the life of your loan than I am. So your 1.3% versus my 3%, I'm at $2,500 a month, you're at, let's say, $1,750. Somewhere around, like it's gonna be significantly less than what I'm paying because you bought down your interest rate. Let's say you have another $12,000. You can buy it down again. You can go all the way down to 0.25%. I don't know why more people are doing this. Yes, there's more hoops that you have to jump through. Yes, not that it require you to commit to five community service events per year, but let's just talk about that for a second. Let's say I'm buying into the Danbury area, right? I'm not familiar with Danbury, but I'm buying a house in Danbury. Wouldn't you want to be invested into the community that you're living in? Wouldn't you want to like help set up the voter registration? Wouldn't you want to help just to like help with some capacity? So often people are buying into communities that they have no ties to. They have no invest, like, like they, they don't know their mayor's first name. They can't list three people at the grocery store. Like they, like they're totally detached from the communities that they just, that, that, that they just purchased in, right? NACA is trying to give back to the community. The whole program is to try to right a wrong from when back in the 50s and 60s when they were putting minorities into these horrible mortgages and when redlining existed, it was a bad setup. So the banks are trying to right a wrong and so they're trying to get you into houses that 
are going to cost you way less and be a lot more effective in building your own family wealth so we can close that wealth gap. That's the whole premise. So again, there's 10 steps. You can go on NACA.com for all 10. It's NACA.com. I promise you, it's a game changer. This is coming from someone who has an 820 uh, FICO score, someone who has the down payment already saved, who has the income, who has all of that, right? NACA won't turn you away no matter how much you make. A lot of the other programs are capped at certain income. So let's say you don't do FHA and you're interested in the USDA loan, which is a, which is also a 0% down. So that's a 100% financing loan for the USDA. Problem is you the USDA is capped at certain limits. So if you make too much, you're not going to get a, US, a USDA loan. With NACA, they have something called priority and non-priority members. So um, let's say in Connecticut, you can't make more than 100K. If you make under 100K, you're considered a priority member, meaning you can purchase anywhere you want in the Fairfield County area. But that said, I'm talking Stanford, Norfolk, wherever you want. If you're non-priority, meaning you make over 100K, you can still do the program, but you're going to be limited to certain areas within the Fairfield County. So they may park you in somewhere that may be considered a lower, I don't want to sound offensive. They may try to put you in somewhere where it's like a um, the economic disparity is a little bit different, but they're bringing you in there to bring more harmony to the community, to, to kind of level it out. Does that make sense? No, that makes sense. That makes sense. So that's I, kind was of actually, I actually just typed it in to go uh, check out NACA.com. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I mean, look, there's so much is so much information out there. There's so much information. And um, I do want to add one thing to NACA. And first ahead. of all, I don't work for them. It's not like that. I, I just am so passionate about it because if you get it, you're going to save so much money in your home ownership journey. And NACA allows you to do multifamily. You can do a duplex. You can do a triplex. You can do a fourplex. You cannot do anything over four units. Because then, and also, NACA requires you to live on the premise. This is not a situation where you can come in and try to buy an investment property through NACA. You have to live there. And don't try to finagle it. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't start the system and say, okay, I live there and I don't because that's mortgage fraud and you will get arrested. So don't do that. But it's a really cool wealth building opportunity. You can have a super low mortgage. You can do a multifamily. That's what my husband and I are doing. You can make the cash flow. It just makes sense. It really does make sense. It makes um, a lot. It makes a lot. It makes a lot of sense. It makes yep. a lot of sense. Um, oh, man, it, it's so exciting because you know it's what what a time that we live in, right? You know, right? to to get this information, to hear this information. But what good is it if we don't apply it? Like I always say, we got to apply the information. So um, it, it, it's a step. I think one thing that I've learned from credit is patience. This mm -hmm. is not. This is not like, it's just like losing weight. You're not going to lose 20 pounds tomorrow. And that's, you would think because, okay, I'm doing this to big, like build my credit, this and the third, I'm building, I'm building, I'm building. It's a process. You have to be patient. And I think for me personally, I had to kind of accept the, the patient process, but it also kind of goes back to what you said. And I also have my own private goal of um, something I'm looking forward to this summer. So I'm like, okay, if I kind of like steamroll this for the next six months, be in a great position come July. So I, I would encourage anyone, hey, just try to find patience and, and balance with this because 
it takes patience, but it also takes maintaining it and, and maintenancing right. it. Going on your experience every day, not every day if you can't, whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever availability you have, but yeah. that, that's what I do and just kind of monitor that. Yep. Yeah. And it's so interesting too, because it's like people, we, we live in a microwave society where people want quick results. They want it now. They want it now. But really think about this. And I tell my clients, imagine if you could press a button and everything you wanted, it would happen right now. First of all, are you even the person that can handle that kind of money? Are you that person that can handle that responsibility for that business? Are you the person that can handle any of that? No, you have to grow into this person to accept all this abundance that God has for us, right? So when I walk my clients through it, I try to really sit with it. First and foremost, this is a mindset. This is not something that's going to be super difficult, but it's also not super easy either. It's just a choice. It's just a choice. It's like you wake up and you show up for your loved ones. You're showing up for your finances. You're showing up for your health. You're showing up whatever it is you're trying to fix. It starts with the mind. And so often we, first of all, we're chronically distracted. We live on social media. Nobody's really taking the time to turn it off and sit with it and not feel depressed by it. You have to see it for what it is and not make it way bigger. So I always tell my clients, if you're looking up at your problem saying, oh my God, like I have a mountain of debt. I have these student loan creditors are calling me. Sally Mae will leave me alone. And you're looking up, like physically looking up, you are totally in the wrong positioning. You have to shrink your problems down and make it to a rock that you can hold in your hand. And now it becomes this little inconvenience. It's this slight thing that's just throwing you off, but you're big enough to handle it. You're big enough to do what you need to do to fix it. It's a mindset. And so often we become victims of our finances. We become victims and feeling like, why is this happening to me? Like, and then feeling like we're by ourselves. That's not the case. 80% of Americans are in debt. Right? Like it's, it's, it's actually insane that you, we, we think that it's just us. <laughs> and you look to your left, you look to your right. Chances are your peers are in the same boat. They're just, they have a better filter on social media. You just can't see it, but it's there. And so just think about it. Like if everybody is struggling with this, there's no need for you to be ashamed. There's no need for you to be embarrassed. There's no need for you to be like, you know, overwhelmed or overpressured. Just take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. And you're going to figure it out. And you have people like me for debtfreecharge.com. I can walk you through. I'm your, like your personal finance bestie, essentially. And just give yourself grace. Give yourself some, some, whoo, <laughs> You have to be yep. in a good space. You got to give yourself, you got to give yourself an opportunity to grow, yes. right? You know, I, you know, I hear people say, you know, how long did it take you to mess up your credit? Oh, okay. All right. So same analogy. So, right. All right. It took you a while to mess it up, right? Now you're at right. this point. So you got to kind of have that same process with it. And yeah, just like look at the problems and, and, and address the problems. You don't have, yeah. you don't have any more problems if you have the solution to it. And right. Just maintaining it, but uh, uh, applying the experience. I believe experience is the best teacher of all. I've right. been, I've been, I've been broke than broke, and right. being in the midst of broken, the only my best option was having faith, positive admirations, right. and taking action behind everything that I right. was thinking of, and turn that into fruition. Right. So it kind of made me look at, okay, how do the wealthy become wealthy? Right. And you know, you hear the C word a lot. You hear credit, 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 credit. But yeah, there, there is, there's a lot of avenues to dive into with credit and there's a lot that, you know, people could learn, but yeah. it, it's, it's all about how coachable you are and 
are you willing to coach yourself? Because as you said, there are people that you can pay to do this for you. And you could also do it yourself by, you know, giving yourself a strict calendar and committing right. to that and just sticking right. to monitoring that. But if you feel like you can't, hire someone who can, right? right. It's like, look, I'm not, the, my thing, I don't know, I, maybe I'm lazy now and I have that entrepreneurship, like lazy mindset, but mm -hmm. I kind of, it kind of makes sense for me. I don't like to spend my time stressing on the things that I can't achieve anymore. Like if I could outsource it, mm -hmm. uh, like if it's a problem and if it's a burden, I'm starting to stress because like my patience as a parent because of my emotional energies towards my daughter. So yeah. anything else, it's like, oh, this is taking away, this is stressing me. Wait, hey, can you help me out with this? Hey, J Jamal, can you help? Like whoever, yeah, whoever, yeah. whoever comes to mind, right? So it's not mm -hmm. how, it's who could help me. Right, so um, I de definitely just want to uh, drop that quick gem. But in closing, wait, I kind of want to um, ask you just like two more questions if I can. Um, mm -hmm. What are the three most important things you would say are the most important things in, in your industry, in what you do that everyone should know if you could choose three? Oh, just three. Um, wow. <laughs> I don't even know if I can narrow it down to just three. Um, I think for, okay. So the, 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 there's two things I'm gonna say to this. If you are considering becoming a, a personal finance coach, um, it's an unregulated market. And it's, it's interesting in that anybody can declare themselves a financial coach. I am certified. Um, I took the time to know the, the structure, to know how to work with people because you essentially are, it's, it's a customer service based business for sure. Um, so first and foremost, get certified if you can. Secondly, know what you're talking about because think about it. Would you really want, how would you feel if someone was charging you X, Y, and Z and they're just like guessing as they're going along? Like take the time to invest in yourself so you, you can have something to stand on. Um, and then the third thing I would say is definitely um, be willing to put yourself out there. You know, when Javi asked me to be on this podcast, I'm like, no, <laughs> like, I'm still working through that myself. But, you know, your your network determines your net worth thousand percent. So I'm, I'm saying yes to a lot more opportunities. On the flip side, for someone who's looking for a personal finance coach and they don't know what to really expect or what to do, the three things I would say starting with is um, figure out why you want to do this in terms of why is now the best time to clean up your finances? Why do you want to regain control? What are you going to do with the extra money once you pay off the debt? Basically, create a mission statement for what it is that you're trying to do in your life because you have to start with a vision. Where, where are we trying to go? Because if, if you're not aiming for anything, you're not going to stay on top of your budget. So it's, again, it's mindset. Figure out where we're going. Now, let's get into motion. Create your budget. You can use I, I love mint.com. You can use digit. You can use every dollar. There's so many different budgeting apps. If you're an Excel person, I have a free budget template on the debtfreetribe.com. You could input all your information. Or if you're just um, a person who likes to put hands to, note, um, hands to a notebook, that's fine. But create a budget that works for you. Again, if you use mint.com, it will send you spending alerts in real time, letting you know, hey, Javi, you said you were going to spend $100. This week on groceries, you're at 105, cut it out. <laughs> like Mint will check you really quickly. And a lot of people need that extra accountability. After you've got your budget set up and 
You also want to use the M&M strategy when you are doing your budget, which is monitor and modify. A lot of people create stagnant budgets and that's where they go wrong. You should be budgeting ideally month by month. Me prefer, I prefer to budget week by week because then it's like I capture everything. There is no surprises. There is nothing that pops up. So if you break it down either bi-weekly or weekly based on your pay period, you will have so much more control of where your money is going. After you've gotten your budget set up, you're monitoring, you're modifying, the next part is tackling your credit. Again, go to annualcreditreport.com, pull your credit report down. If you need someone to send you um, your, dispute, your dispute letter templates, definitely reach out to me. I'm Whitney at thedebtfreetribe.com, and I'll send you some templates on how to formulate that strategy of getting some charge-offs knocked out, getting your collections knocked out. I can definitely guide you in that way. But more importantly, you just want to make sure everything on your credit report is accurate. So take some time, get a, high, a highlighter out, maybe a glass of wine, and just go through it, breathe through it, and get through it. So that's kind of what I would say on both ends of the spectrum. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah, uh, man, it, this was this this for me was this was a real privilege and treat because it, it like it's this when you have this number one. I strongly believe when you meet one person, you're, it's like you're meeting thousands of people, right? You know, people come with their own experiences, but to have just the personal, the personal connection for me um, with you, it's kind of what like kind of made me take this a lot more seriously because like ever since I looked at it, I'm like, wow, like I got control over my life and mm. everyone should have that feeling. Everyone should have that feeling. You should never feel that you don't have control of your life because you know your credit score is hindering you from getting, um, you know maybe that business car or the house that you want or you know getting approved for credit cards, whatever the case may be. But you know you got to take accountability for it, and there is there is some upside. But I think the biggest takeaway for me, what I've learned was it does take patience, but patience, accountability, and it does you do need support. You do need support. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned Mint for one, but also, I think for me, it, it's also, I think it's the human being, the, the human being interaction, uh, moral support, emotional support thing too. People need that, right? Um, that's how people kind of like fall off the wagon, right? You can improve your credit, right? Yep. I'm pretty sure this has happened. People have improved their credit to like say 750, 800. Yep. Then it goes complete the opposite. Like what the hell happened? Yeah, Absolutely. And that's one of the things too. It's like, as a personal finance coach, I take it so seriously. Like I don't do this for um, the money per se. Yes, it's a business, but I do it for really sitting with the psychology because so often think about it, 80% of your spending is behavioral and 20% is head knowledge. So only a small fraction of what you're doing is based on what you know to do, the how to's, the why to do's and all that good stuff. But then it's 80% of your life where you're just kind of like reacting to whatever is going on. So that's why I offer one-on-one -on -one personal finance coaching because I know, much like a trainer, sometimes you do need someone that's going to hold your hand and walk you through it so you can get through it, right? Um, so I, I actually offer three-month packages where for three months you have me so that we can really sit with everything. I also offer a six-month package where you can have even more time with me, but I also have a total budget revamp, which is a quick hitter. We go through your entire budget. We literally sift it all out. And then I also offer um, a pre-business launch strategy because so often 
to your point, a lot of people want to be entrepreneurs, but they have no idea what they're doing. They don't realize all the, the, the upfront cap costs. Like it's, it's crazy. Um, so I definitely offer um, a pre-business launch strategy session as well. So again, like if you feel like you need a little bit more, definitely go to the debtfreetribe.com, hit me up. I'm always available. And I will be starting the Debt Free Tribe Academy soon so that even if you can't do one-on-one, there will be group coaching available. So And your Facebook group. I don't know if you mentioned your Facebook group. Shout that yes. out. Yes. You. you can go to um, facebook.com slash groups slash the Debt Free Tribe. And it is a private group. We really go in about money. It, we laugh about it. We go in. It, it, it's a it's a really cool debt free community of people who some have already reached debt freedom and some are working towards it and some are just starting. So it definitely is a really cool environment of like minded people who are all just trying to get good with money. No, it's a, it's a it's a really good group. I actually sat in on one of the calls a couple of weeks ago. It's a really yeah. good group, but it, it's good, guys, because it's never you're, it's never too late for you to start over, and it's never too late for you to just you know take a look at you know your life from a complete different lens. And once yeah. you look at it, you know it, you know things aren't as bad as it seems, and you, it's the smallest adjustments that has the largest ripple effect. So take action today. Uh, take action today. So. Um, in closing thoughts, but please, um, if there's something that you want to leave the audience with today, um, just the floor is yours. Uh, give you like say two minutes or three minutes or how many time, how much ever time you need. But in closing thoughts, I'll let you wrap up and I'll do my traditional closing. All right. So I want to talk to the person who staffed this whole thing. Thank you so much. Um, but something tells me that if you sat through this podcast, you're, you, you're at this space where you're looking for a way out. You're looking for a way to finally get control over something that you've never had control over, right? Um, and so I challenge you to do this now. Do this for you. You owe you. Take the time to clean this up. It's a, it's a mess. It is but it's going to be okay. I'm, I, I promise you, I've walked through so many people and my, my mom was my very first client. And really quickly, you know, she's gone through two bankruptcies. And when I first started working with her, she was at a 514 credit score. She's currently at an 805 FICO score. You know, she has her savings. She has one debt left and that's her car. And I always say that because it's, it's, it's a testament that you can overcome anything. So give yourself this, give yourself permission to do this. Give yourself the time to invest and do it for your family. Do it for your kids that you, that you maybe you have or maybe the kids that you haven't had yet, but you owe this to yourself. If this is an investment, um, working with a, a personal finance coach, you do this for um, the freedom. Think about all the, the pressure that sits on your chest at night. I know first thing, I was $50,000 in debt and I would go to bed just like feeling so overwhelmed and so depressed. Cause like, how did I get here? I'm a college educated woman. How did I get here? I feel you. It's not fun. It's not, and, and it's also private. It's also debilitating. It's like, how, like, why me, right? So do this now. Take the time to get good at something worth getting good at and do it for you. I promise you a year, two years, maybe even six months, depending on where you're at, gonna look back like wow <laughs> I was really tripping and I was like I I can't believe I was like stressed out about that and like you got through it because you found the resources you found the community you found your tribe and I'm here for you I'm so excited to work with you and Javi I want to thank you so much for giving me the platform 
thank you so much for having me on here. Like this has been such uh, an experience and I'm just so thankful. And I, I truly am honored with whoever reaches out to work with me because I know that pain point. I know how frustrating it could feel. I know how lonely it could feel and it doesn't have to be that way. So I definitely have your back. Reach out to me, thedebtfreetribe.com. You can also email Whitney at the Debt Free Tribe and also check out our Facebook group, The Debt Free Tribe. That is done. <laughs> no, that was dope. Um, again, in closing thoughts, look, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not one to play favoritism, but in, in this particular episode, guys, I definitely need you guys to definitely connect with Whitney, reach out, um, you know, schedule a call. You know, learn learn more. Ask questions. Every time you ask questions, you give yourself an opportunity to learn something new. So definitely reach out. Um, you know, there's there's so much that you could learn from the Debt Free Tribe. I'm definitely a part of it on Facebook. Join the group as well. Uh, there's a lot of resourceful information. Um, also, look out for her academy that she mentioned as well. Yes. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean to close it out. This this was great. This was a great uh, episode. Just dive into credit budgeting, what that looks like, and how someone could pretty much just rebuild and rescale that you got comeback power. So in all uh, respect, um, guys, uh, I, I'm, I'm, tri I'm tripping over my words because I kind of want to say something powerful. And I, I think that the real, the real power, the power in today's, the, today's episode, it's going to come from the action that you take from the information that you got, right? Not me just saying something motivational. So if you want something motivational, take this information that you learned today, apply it to your lifestyle and go out there and better your lifestyle, better yourself and pass it on. Refer someone to stream this episode or contact Whitney or whatever the case may be so they can better their credit situation, whether it's personal credit or business credit. But like I always say, guys, it's that time. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe to the St. Clair Speaks Your Podcast, streaming on Audible, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, Overcast, Radio Public, Breaker, and YouTube. I'll see you guys in the next one. It's that time. I'm out.